on, can somebody put their hands together in the place? Anybody happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on, we can do better than that, church. It sounds like y'all still waking up. Can somebody put their hands together? Can somebody shout hallelujah? Anybody happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Did he wake you up? Did he put you in your right mind? Come on, y'all not giving me. Come on, come on. Can somebody give up a hallelujah? Somebody put their hands together. Somebody look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, wake up. We're in the house of the Lord this morning. Say, neighbor, wake up. Wake up. Hallelujah. We're here to praise and worship the name of Jesus. Let's praise and worship him together this morning.
this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name. Let us exalt the only name, the name that saves, the name that heals, the name that saved us from sin, the name that will bring miracles, the name that brings healing. He is God. He is God. And the name of that God is who? I said, can I hear the name of that God is who? I said, the name of that God is who? Hallelujah. Let's lift up the name of Jesus. Say, Jesus, we thank you. We honor you. We glorify you. There is no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. We thank the name of Jesus. We praise the name of Jesus. And today, we will say this is the day that Jesus has made. It doesn't matter what you feel. doesn't matter the current, present circumstances. We will rejoice. It's a choice. It's either you're going to be sad in your pity party or you're going to choose to rejoice in the Lord. Even when the situation hasn't changed. That means I have joy. I don't have happiness. I have joy. Because joy is not depending on how I'm feeling. It's a choice of who I believe in. And the belief I have is that Jesus is still good, even on a bad day in my life. Hallelujah. Let's pray. We're going to pray for Jennifer Mohal. She came off of a serious aneurysm, I believe, something that affects her brain. We're going to pray for our saints, saints of God. We have the best people in the world. I said we have the best people in the world. And they're not here, but we're going to pray for our brother Donovan Henry. We're going to pray for brother Crooks. We're going to pray for Sister Josephine's mother who is in Mount Vernon, who is dealing, recovering from her um, incident. We're praying for Brother Kellerman and Sister Kellerman. We're praying for Sister Revelus, Sister Chrissy Revelus, and the Revelus family. We're going to pray for everyone. We're going to pray for our Sister Jackson, that God will heal her in Jesus' name. She's here. Give her hands together for Sister Jackson. And we're going to pray for everybody. So at this time, can we all extend ourselves and take the hand next to you? Um, please take the hand next to you. If you can make a chain link, I would really appreciate that. If we can just come together, come across the aisle. If you can hold the next person, if you can. And let's pray today that God will believe, we're going to believe God to do great things today in the midst of us. We're going to pray for First Pentecostal, First Pentecostal Prayer of Faith. We're going to pray for Bishop Naylor and Sister Naylor. We're going to pray for everybody who came through that ministry and those who are extended and what the impact that man and that woman has done across this country and across the world. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for the people of God in Jesus' name. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we give you thanks for what you have done and what you started in here. We pray, God, we want to, before we ask of anything, we're going to thank you for everything. We're going to thank you for the times of which you have kept us and you have saved us. We repent of our uh, wrongdoings. We repent of the things, the transgressions against you, the offenses even in my own life, the sin of omission and the sin of commission. We pray that, God, you will blot out our transgressions. We ask for a turn in our life. Let our eyes look to you. Let our hearts turn to you. And, God, right now, as we look to you and we pray that you are the healer, you are the palm of Israel. We know you are the palm in Gilead. We pray for healing for Sister Jennifer Mahal right now 
as we speak the word of faith. It was by the word of faith, by the faith of the centurion, that man was made whole that same hour. We pray and we speak the word. We're going to speak faith. We're going to speak healing. We're going to speak the name of Jesus. We speak the name of Jesus over Brother Henry. God, touch his mind. Touch his body. Touch him right now from the crown of his head to the very sole of his very foot. God, I pray a healing touch for Brother Crooks right now. I pray unto him that he will arise from his bed. He will get up and walk. I pray in the name of Jesus for the healing recovery of Sister Jones' mother. Pray for her in the name of Jesus right now in Mount Vernon. God, as he recuperates from her incident right now, touch her from the crown of her head. I pray live. I pray life into the hands of my neighbor. I pray for Brother Kellerman. I pray for his healing touch. I pray for healing to go through his body. I pray for the Revelous family. I pray for Sister Chrissy right now as he recuperates right now from her surgery. Touch her right now. I pray for Mother Jackson. I pray that you will give her sustainability. And I pray for the First Pentecostal Church of Prayer, the First kind of a Prayer of Faith. I pray for Bishop Naylor. I pray for Sister Naylor. I pray for the saints. I pray for the church. I pray for the UPCI. I pray for the people of God in the name of Jesus. And now I pray for my neighbor. I pray a miracle be stretched forth to our neighbor. I pray healing be our neighbor. I pray the name of Jesus, my neighbor. Father, right now, do it to your glory, to your honor, and to your praise. In Jesus' name, I pray that your will be done today. Bless the service. Bless the man and woman of God that has come to do the work of God. Bless them in their ministry as they go out to do God's will. Let us put our hands together. Let us worship the Lord. Can I hear hallelujah in the house? Can I hear thank you, Jesus, in the house? For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever, in Jesus' name. Let us just continue to worship the Lord, because he's the king of glory. Do I have someone who agree with me today that he is the king of glory? Let's continue to worship the Lord today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
just want to be with you. Is that anybody's prayer this morning?
Welcome everyone into the house of God this morning in the name of Jesus. We're so glad that you choose to worship with us this morning. And we're thanking you for being here this morning. You are the one that made the difference this morning. Point to your neighbor and say, you make the difference this morning. Come on, point to somebody and say, you make the difference this morning. Hallelujah. Turn to someone else and say, you make the difference this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. We thank you all for coming and being a part of our worship this morning. Amen. We pray that before the services conclude today, you'll have an experience with God like never before. Amen. God, we serve in a God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above that which we ask or think. We know that where God is able to do anything that seems impossible to man. That's the God that we serve. Amen. And we welcome you. We thank you for being here this morning. Praise God. After coming back from a few days of winter fire, it has been a great week for us. Amen. God's been good to us. We're so able to be a part of what God is doing in the Northeast area. Amen. And there's so much transpiring those few days that some of us were able to get away from. And amen. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, oh my God, if you're able to be a part of what God is doing in this hour, you'll never be the same. Amen. Praise God. Look at somebody and said, I never want to be the same. Come on. Look at someone and say, I don't want to be the same. Hallelujah. Amen. When you're walking with the Lord, you never get bored. Amen. God has been so good to us. And we welcome you this morning to be a part of the service this morning. Amen. Don't forget to continue to look at our display on our screen. We have a few announcements that we continue to scroll over. So just make sure you look at it. Stay in tune. Stay up to date with what's going on in our church, in our district, and everything that's going on. God have things in store for us. Amen. We're going to ask all our guests that are here for the first second and third time if there's any guests that are here this morning for the first second and third time if you can stand so that we can recognize you this morning wherever you are amen we have a couple guests here amen amen praise god hallelujah we have a few guests this morning i'm going to actually do me a huge favor this morning before the service well actually after the service is concluded i love you to come and meet our pastor before you leave out to the doors today amen so if you can do
do me a huge favor. If you try to go through the door, I'm going to be running you down. So please make sure don't leave without not speaking to a pastor this morning. Amen. We're so glad that you're here and we pray God will bless you this morning and keep you. Amen. We're going to invite everyone before you stand, but all the children that are here uh, from the age of 5 through 15, if you can stand with us from age 5 through 15, stand. Sister Aska is waving her hand uh, to uh, my right, your left. Amen. All the children that are here uh, from the left, uh, from the age of 5 through 15, we're going to ask you just take your time, just uh, stand and just... Uh, follow Sister Hasker. She's over there waving. And everyone else, we're going to invite you to stand with us at this time. Everyone else in the sanctuary, if you're able to stand. Amen. It's offering time. Everyone say, it's offering time. Come on. That was a little weak. One more time. It's offering time. Come on. Sound like you're ready to give this morning. It's offering time. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This is a part of the service that we get our blessing. Amen. We give uh, 10% of whatever our earnings were for the week. So if the Lord bless you with a thousand dollars, amen, you can give the Lord a hundred dollars plus extra. Amen. If the Lord only bless you with ten dollars, give the Lord what is due. Sometime if you gave me ten dollars for the week, I just put the ten dollars in because I know my return will be more than what I had gave. Amen. So give a good offering this morning. The Lord will bless you. Amen. Because He you know what's in your heart. So if you just give something that you think, ah, this is what you want to give, I'm praying that the Lord will change your mind to give something more this morning. Amen. Follow the instruction of the usher. We're going to pray this morning. Amen. We have the ushers in the aisle. If you need an envelope, just wave your hand. The ushers will be glad to provide you with the envelope. Pray with us as we get ready to receive our offering. Father God, we thank you for what we have already felt in this place. As we're about to receive this morning offering, we ask you blessing upon every giver. Those who have to give and those who have not likewise, oh God. Make way that they too can also receive from you, Lord God. We give you the glory. We give you honor. We just want to continue to worship you and praise you because you're great and greatly to praise. Have your way in the name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said amen. Everybody said amen. Bring your tithes and offering unto the Lord. Amen. Praise God.
Hallelujah. You may be seated if you can, if you're still working through offering, continue. But we have a special, special part of our service that I wanted to bring your attention to. And um, this morning I have in my hand two birth certificates. take my time. I, I, said, I said I'm going to try to go a little slower, uh, you know, this year so you can catch what I'm saying and what I'm trying to get to you. I got some birth certificates in my hand. Amen. If, if, if you're ever born again, it means you have two birth certificates. The one when you were physically born into this life, that's your first birth certificate. And the second one is when you are born again. And so this morning we want to call, look at this, to come and receive, okay, Javier Lewis. Come on, little Javier. I like this guy. I like this guy. Always have a smile. Don't hurt yourself, Javier. Always have a smile. Look sharp. Amen. You know what this is? That's your second birth certificate. This one says that you were baptized in Jesus' name, February the 11th, 2024. That's a big, big day for you. You never want to forget this day. This is why we have recorded it and given you a certificate for yourself. So I want you to hold it like this, and I want you to face the congregation. I know you're not shy. And then... We'll get our special picture. All right. Don't move. We have another certificate. And this birth certificate is for his mother, Lakeisha. Or Lakeitha. Lakeitha. Thank you, son. Come on, Lakeitha. Come on. Come and get your birth certificate. This has been a long time coming. Let me tell you something about this young lady. Because she represents so many of you that come to church. She had visited our church when we were in the little fire station. This is yours. Hold it like this. She visited our church when we were in the little fire station a couple of times. And, you know, God was dealing with her. And she wanted to give her life to God. But here is her thought. Her thought process at the time was, well, I didn't want to get baptized and I wasn't ready. I, I tell you all the time. When God is ready for you to be baptized, it doesn't matter what you think and how you feel. Just go and obey God. Because when you say, I'm not ready, you know what you're saying without saying it? That when you get baptized, you will have the power to do right. That's what you're saying. And nobody can live this life for Christ under their own strength and ability and power. Nobody. So by thinking that we have to be ready to get baptized, it means that you will never be ready. Because we cannot do this on our own. And so Lakitha was living with that for a while. People have been praying for her. And she knew she needed to give her life to God. But she kept telling herself, I'm not ready. And one day she invited us over to her home to pray for her and her family. And we prayed through the house. And the next week she came. And here she, here she is today, her and her son, 
baptized in Jesus' name. It's never about when you are ready, church. And when you hear God's word and God's word, thank you so much, and God's word gives you the instructions for you to repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, just respond. There are things that's prepared for us that we're not even ready for, that God has prepared already. Heaven is prepared for us, and we're, most of us are not even ready. So it's never about when you are ready. It's about when he is ready. And so when you hear the word of God preached and, and you feel like, you know, my goodness, I, I need to respond to that. And you hear the invitation for you to come and repent of your sins and get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I feel like there's somebody here today. You were baptized in the titles Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And you need to be rebaptized. There is biblical scripture in the Bible that says that if you're baptized any other way, aside from the way the Lord Jesus Christ instructed us to be baptized, you can be rebaptized. So I don't want you to feel like because you were baptized already, it's okay. No, there are scriptural evidence that if you weren't baptized correctly, you can be rebaptized correctly. God is okay with that. That's what God wants for your life. So if you've been going to church for a while, you have experiences, but you were baptized in titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, you can get rebaptized in this church in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. And so if, 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 if you were baptized in the titles, you can change that today. And you can be baptized correctly, and you can leave knowing that you've been baptized correctly. This morning we have a missionary, or if you will, an associate missionary. He and his family are with us. Um, he's going to minister the word of God to us. Um, they are um, associate missionaries to uh, Brazil. And um, one of the things that intrigued me a lot about their story is Brazil doesn't have a UPCI church. And I was shocked to find that out. And so they will become the first UPCI church. They will be opening the first UPCI church in Brazil. It's interesting. Brazil have this big statue. Everybody knows Brazil from that statue. And you would say, man, you know, they God-fearing people. And they probably are in some extent. But the Gale family is going to preach truth to them. So whatever they know, they will get to hear more so they can know truth. There's scripture in the Bible again where my man Apollos, the Bible calls him uh, a mighty man in scripture, Apollos. He knew a lot of the word of God, but he never understood the baptism in Jesus' name. And Aquila and Priscilla went and ministered to him. And he repented of his sins and got baptized in Jesus' name. The Bible also talks about my man Cornelius. Cornelius was an awesome man of God, gave alms, prayed every day, just a good man of God. And for you and me, we would look and say, man, that's a great man of God. But Cornelius did not 
know about the baptism in Jesus' name, and he did not know about the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with tongues. And when uh, Peter met with Cornelius and began to minister to Cornelius, the Holy Ghost fell and they began to speak with tongues. They received the Holy Spirit, spoke with tongues, and got baptized in Jesus' name. Why am I sharing this with you? Because it's okay to know about the Word of God and know some of the truth in the Word of God. But if you don't know all the truth, it's okay that when you hear it, you respond to it and say, Yes, I don't know that. I haven't done that. Yes, I need to do that. We don't need to be shy about that. When truth is preached to us and we don't have that segment of truth, we need to respond to it in obedience and do what we're supposed to do. It's okay. It's okay. And so the Gale family will be traveling to Brazil uh, to open the first UPCI church in the capital center or the capital city center, um, planning of conferences. And they're going to do some great work over there. And the Lord is going to use them mightily. And so they're going to minister to us after this next song. And so I want you to greet them when they come. They have a table in the back. Um, Anything that you give, that you purchase from them, I should say, it goes toward their trip. And as I like to tell you, we don't give because we want to receive. We give because we can, and it's the right thing to do, and we want God's will to be done. And so when you buy anything, purchase anything from the Gale family today, it will go toward their trip to Brazil. Don't you want to be a part of the first UPCI church opening in Brazil? If you want to be a part, support them, love them, give to them, and pray for them, and you will be a part of it. And so today, um, or right after the choir is finished singing, the Gale family will come, and they will minister. And I want you to open your heart and receive what God has for us today, because God is going to use it. Amen? Let's worship the Lord together. Will you stand?
Jesus. Let's go ahead and magnify him. Lord God, we thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We thank you for what you have planned in this service, in this day, for us as individuals, and for all of us collectively. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the Almighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And we surrender to your name this morning. We surrender to your will this morning. Everything that you have planned, let it be so in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. Say Jesus. Amen. It is such an honor and a privilege to be here this morning. Um, my name is Marlon Gale. My wife is Janessa. Um, we want to give an honor to Pastor Wyatt and his family, his wife and the church. Thank you for the invitation. I have a little brother, Isaiah, and he came out to California about 13, 14 years ago, and he spent time in our homes, spent the night at our house, spoke in our youth group, and his testimony was so powerful, and we've been keeping in touch all of these years, and God is so faithful, and we went to their wedding um, back in Philly about five years ago, and finally we made it to the church. Hallelujah. Amen. And what a great testimony here. Um, I did want to mention something um, as we get ready to get into the word in a little bit. Um, in, inside of Brazil, over the years, probably the last 80 years or so, several missionaries have traveled from the United States and helped to create the groundwork there. And over the years, they were able to establish the national church. So our church, um, international church, UPCI, we go and partner with the national church that they already set up. When a, when a country gets a missionary, when they first come, they go and they establish a church and a church. And all of a sudden, they get so many churches that the people, they create their own charter. So this tie that I'm wearing right here is IPUB. It's stands for Igreja Pentecostal Unida do Brasil. It's basically the same thing, United Pentecostal Church of Brazil. And um, so they have a national work. But in the city where we're going to be going to, it's the capital, like the Washington, D.C. of Brazil. And right there in the city center, we have never had a church. So the superintendent in that area, they have churches on the surrounding areas. It's a city of four million people. And in the surrounding areas, we have about ten churches that 
we'll be helping to support. But the superintendent had been praying for about 20, 30 years. They said they want a missionary from America to their area. We haven't had no one focus on that area. And God called us to go there to Brasilia. Amen. God is building the church. Except the Lord built the church, they that labor, labor in vain. I'm going to be sharing more with you of how we got to that point and what God has done. I'm going to invite my wife to come up at this time, and we're going to worship, and then we're going to get into the word. Um, There was something else? Oh, yes. Oh, sorry. We're going to play the video. Yes, you may be seated. (laughs) Welcome to the land of revival. Welcome to Brazil. My name is Marlene Gale. And my name is Janessa Gale. And the Gale family is on a mission to the country of Brazil. Join us on our journey as we talk about our call and our burden to the beautiful country of Brazil. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve. We love our local church and we've served there for over, what, 24 years? And we're so excited for this next um, stage in our life of what God is doing, an expansion of the ministry. And God has just given us this burden to go further. Yes, God has imparted in us an apostolic burden for the lost. Amen. Um, A burden is what the apostles and what Jesus himself had, which is what made him come to earth to die. We believe that God has called us to the nation of Brazil, and we also believe that that burden that we carry for that great nation will extend throughout the world, and that souls will be saved all over the world. Paul stated, Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for those that love him. work that we're going to be doing, some of the areas that we're going to be doing is, first of all, we're going to be helping to start a church in the city center of Brasilia. We're excited about that. Pastor Lindomar and the team there, um, the superintendent, they've had a vision to do this for a long time, and they feel like God is sending us for a time such as this to help to do that work. And we're honored because we also feel that same call to go do the work in the city right there in the capital of Brazil. That's number one. Second, we're going to support the work that's already there in the district. We have about 10 churches there and three daughter works. We will be strengthening the leadership of that team. And we're just so excited and helping with the Bible college, helping with um, women's ministry. My wife will be doing that, preaching at conferences and helping with the women, Um, training leaders, Bible college, um, training Bible college teachers with the GATS seminar. So we're excited about all of that, working with the youth, and God is just doing a great thing, and it's because of where we're living in these last days. 
God has steered us up for a time such as this to leave everything, pick up our cross, and to follow him. God is amazing. As you can see, he's doing a great work, and we count it a great privilege to be able to serve. We welcome you to support us as partners in missions as we continue on this journey of doing great things for the Lord. It is often said, some go by giving and some give by going. And we are so blessed to be able to give to the beautiful nation of Brazil by going. But thank you also for your amazing support in this endeavor. May the lamb that was slain receive the full reward for his suffering. That's what it's all about. We're doing this for the king and we're so excited that the Gale family is on a mission. God bless you and thank you for your support. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My name is Sister Janessa Gale. And Welcome to the land. And we're just so honored to be here today with all of you. I thank you so much for your hospitality and just for everything thus far. We've just been so blessed to be able to be here with your church family. Um, Brazil, like I said, we call it, I call it the land of revival. Um, as you saw in the video, we just went to a large conference for the Ramanette. Um, did a large conference in um, Manaus, which is in a northern part, uh, a northern part of Brazil, um, where we're going to be at. There's um, no church there in the capital. You would think, out of all of the places in South America, that there would be a church in this in the capital. Typically, when missionaries go to a country, they start at the capital, but that did not happen in Brazil, unfortunately. And so now, the Lord has blessed us with the opportunity to be there. Um, when we went to the conference, um, as many people who know both of us know, I'm, I'm the funny person, right? <laughs> I'm the person with all the jokes. And so we're standing at the, um, at the arena floor and I look over at my husband and he's crying and I'm like, what are you crying about? <laughs> Cause I didn't know what was going on, why he was crying. Um, there were 36,000 people in the stadium that day and he said, look. And I turned and I looked and I began to cry as I watched 12,000 people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know, Pastor Wyatt, some things you can't unsee. Some things you can't unhear. And um, I tend to be a contrarian. I tend to be one of those people who say, well, did they really all get the Holy Ghost? Let me tell you, they really all got the Holy Ghost. (laughs) I was there. We pray. We know. Um, and then after that, they asked if people wanted a miracle. 6,000 people received a miracle that day. Um, we saw people who couldn't walk be able to walk. We saw people, um, ladies, we, we got the report later that they were pregnant and they had been waiting for 20 years to be able to have a baby. Um, but one of the most telling parts of all of this Yes, it's amazing to see thousands of people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But my husband and I were standing on the floor, and we realized that there was no one to baptize the people. And people wanted to get baptized. And we don't know where everyone went, but people started disappearing. I think they were counting all the people getting the Holy Ghost. And so he, my husband... Um, Someone told him, they said, hey, you better get in on this. Let's, let's start baptizing these people because people want to get baptized. And do you know that they baptized hundreds of people, um, probably closer to thousands? We don't have exact numbers on the baptisms like we do on the other things because the national church was very specific to make sure they counted every person. 
Um, but for the baptisms, my husband was baptizing people with their clothes on, with their shoes on, with their suits on, with their watches on. You know, in America, so often we have to beg people to come to church, beg people to come to the altar. And like you saw in the video, they were running to the altar, running to have an encounter with God. No one had to beg them. No one had to say, please, could you take this seriously? Please, I'm begging for the sake of your very own soul. They wanted God. And God just began to do the work over and over and over again. We began to see. And my husband was like, do you want to take your shoes off? No? Okay. And he was just baptizing people. (laughs) Because when you want God, when you're like the Samaritan woman and you want God, whatever it takes, amen? Amen. I'm going to sing just briefly a portion of a song. If we could just stand and just worship for just a moment. Your worship team has already done such a great job. I'm overcoming a cold. I said, maybe I shouldn't sing. They've done it all. (laughs) But God is faithful. How many of you know that he's won the victory already? He's won the victory. He's won the victory over death, hell, and the grave. Because he's won the victory, I can stand here. I can stand here and tell you that God is a way maker. I can stand here and tell you that God is a miracle worker over and over and over again as we've endeavored to move to the nation of Brazil permanently. We've seen miracle after miracle. And it's because our God is all-powerful. Our God loves us so much that he robed himself in flesh. Hallelujah, Jesus.
if we could just, without the music for just a moment, if we could just lift our voices. Hallelujah. You have won the victory. That's why I can stand here today. Because he's won the victory. Hallelujah. You have won it all for me. Death could not hold you down. You are the risen King. Seated in. Do you see him on his throne? If he's the Lord of your life, how would you pray this morning? If he was the Lord of everything that you are, how would you encounter him today? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. You have won the victory. Amen. Amen. As we go ahead and stand to our feet, we're going to jump into the word of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And we're going to open up to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26 through 29. Amen. And we thank God for the hunger that we feel in this place. There are people in America that are hungry and thirsty. Amen. A lot of times um, when, you, when you hear of missions and, yes, there's a hunger across the, the seas and so forth. Um, but a lot of times I like to think of it as um, sometimes in America or some developed, more developed countries, um, people are like picky eaters. They're kind of like, oh, I'll eat this, but I won't eat that. You know what I mean? But then you got people who are just hungry, who are just like, whatever's being served, I just want it. Whatever God is giving out, I just want, I need something from the Lord. Amen? So there's even spots and places in America where people are like that. Who's like that in this place? I'm not a picky eater. I just want to be refreshed. I want to be fed. I need something for my soul. Amen? And that's where we're at. Amen? Amen. Amen. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 26 through 29. And whatever comes forth today, I just promise one thing. Promise me one thing. Whatever you get today is not going to just be information. You're going to allow it to transform you and you're going to use it. Who's going to use this? Amen. Amen. Whatever we get in this place, use it as you leave the doors. Amen. 
Amen. First Samuel 17, verse 26 through 29. And this is David. Um, we're talking about David's life. And, you know, he's he's showing up and there's a battle that's taking place. And he didn't expect himself to end up in a battle, in a fight. But he heard some stuff and he said, I can't let this slide. Who knows what I'm talking about? Anybody ever ended up in a fight and you wasn't imagining or expecting to fight, but all of a sudden you look around and you say, nobody else is going to do something about this? I guess I got to step in. Amen? So that's where we're at. Um, starting at verse 22. And David left his carriage and the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, and out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard him. He heard them and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. As we go down to verse 26, and David spake to the man and stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and talketh and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why comest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Hallelujah. You know, when people have something to say, they have an opinion, but they're not willing to step up. Amen. People have something to say. Amen. Um, a comparison that I want to also mention this scripture is going to be the life of Peter. And um, in Luke chapter 22, verse 31 through 34. And Peter, um, Jesus is talking to him and giving him some foresight for something that he's going to go through. And um, Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan have desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, amen, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both to prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice, three times, deny that thou knowest me. What we're going to talk about today is not afraid to fight. We have the victory. Not afraid to fight. We have the victory. Look at somebody say, I'm not afraid to fight. We have the victory. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this morning. And we come, Lord God, hallelujah, not just with the words and wisdom of men, but with the power and a demonstration of the spirit. Every word that's written from Genesis to Revelation, it's your spirit that moves upon the word, Lord, that brings it alive. Your word is quick and powerful, sharpening any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit. Allow your word to sharpen us today, to speak into our hearts, to speak into our lives, to direct us, Lord God. Strip me out of the flesh. I'm just a man. We come for trans. 
transformation today, Lord God. Do what you want to do. We rebuke the enemy. He has no power in this place. Change us today, Lord. Let us get your word, Lord God, that we may use your word, receive your word, experience your word, and share it. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. Go ahead and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not afraid to fight. Hallelujah. He was come to see a fight. Amen. 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 So we all, we're all, we all got a battle to fight. No matter who we are, no matter what background, no matter what color, no matter what age we are, what gender, we're in a fight. We're in a battle when we're in life. Life can be hard and the struggle can be real. We've got a race to run. And, and oftentimes the race is not to the swift nor to the strong, but as we say, those that endure to the end. And we're not just running this race just to say I ran a race, but we want to win. Who wants to win? I don't want to just look like I was just sweating, right? We want to win. Hallelujah. We, we, we have a purpose and we have a calling to defend. We have to defend our purpose and our calling in this world. The enemy tries to intimidate us. You know, we have goals and we have plans and the goal of the enemy is to pump fear in our minds and in our hearts. He wants to distract us. He wants to disrupt what God has planned. He wants to disqualify us from receiving the promises of God. When Goliath stepped on the scene that day, he was a distraction. You know, when you're going through life and you feel like, hey, you know what? I think I got it figured out. And some problem just lands right in front of you and it just throws you off. Things begin to fall apart and you're like, hold up. You begin to re-examine and rethink things. It comes to try to get you off task. Who knows what I'm talking about? Something big, something that you didn't expect come right in front of you, right? This is not the time to shrink back or to run away from the battle. We look right there in the nation of Israel. They had so many battles they had already won. God had already did so many things. But Goliath steps on the scene and all the men and people, they got afraid. They said, we can't do this. And they begin to run away. How many of you guys, you see what's going on in the world today? All the wars, the weather, the money situations. And there's a lot of people running away, right? You complain. They talk about it. Oh, things are just getting worse and this and that. And people are afraid. How many of you could just smell the fear in the air? You could just see it. Amen. So, so we, we look at this situation and that's where David found himself in that spot. And, and this is not the time to shrink back. This is the time where God wants somebody to be strong in the Lord. Somebody that can fight back. Somebody that'll step up in faith. Hallelujah. The scripture says in 1 Timothy 6, um, 1 through, um, um, verse 12, he says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life, whereunto thou art called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. God's looking for people today who said, I'm going to fight a good fight. I'm going to step up and I'm going to fight. Hallelujah. I don't care how big it looks. Uh, and, and and we see in Romans 8.31, it says, what shall we say to these things? Right? All this stuff going around. Right? Um, Paul talked about how nothing can separate us from the love of God. No hype, no depth, no things of the past, no things to come. He said, what shall we say? But if God be for us, who can be against us? The battle's going to look tough. It wouldn't be a battle if it wasn't tough. We were not born to be whipped on by the enemy. Tell somebody, say, I wasn't born to be whooped on. Amen. 
We, we, we have to live a, with a victorious mindset. That's what we're talking about today. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, um, Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It is not the will of God for us to sit here and watch the enemy destroy our nation, destroy our families, destroy our children. Somebody's got to have a different mind. When the world's saying you're going to lose, you don't got what it takes. Somebody's got to step in with the mind of God. We each are called to be overcomers. In Revelation 12, verse 11, he said, and they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. God's looking for people who can look at giant situations, huge circumstances, and say, no, I'm an overcomer. Let's look at this through the eyes, through the lens of an overcomer. We're going to have to have a testimony at the end of this. We each are called to be overcomers. And in this battle, we have to understand who and what we are fighting against. Amen. Who we are fighting against is Satan, demons, principalities, not people. Amen. What we are fighting against is sin, the impact of sin, the fear, the anxiety, the depression, the addiction, the lust, the deception, poverty. Right. And we have to understand who and what we're fighting for. Amen. So who we are fighting for is the Lord. Okay, we're on the Lord's side. We're on God's team. We're fighting for Jesus. Hallelujah. What we are fighting for is our salvation, the salvation of all humanity, the church, those that are broken hearted, those that are bound by the enemy, the poor in the spirit. We're fighting for abundant life, for peace, for hope. We're, we're, we're fighting for the goodness of the Lord. Who wants the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? I mean, it's supposed to be a promised land. Amen. A land flowing with milk and honey. Jesus said, I come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. When the enemy steps up with his threats. He's trying to take away your hope. Hallelujah. We, you know, I remember growing up, they used to say, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I couldn't sing, but I would say, I told Satan, get thee behind. Because victory today is mine. He's trying to take your joy. And that's why sometimes you say, joy is mine. Joy is mine. Joy today is mine. I told Satan. Hallelujah. I told Satan, get thee behind. Because joy today is mine. The enemy comes to try to take away your joy. Hallelujah. That's why sometimes you restore the joy of myself. When you win a fight, when you knock a devil out, you get joy. I'm not letting the devil take my joy. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You're going to go through some hard times. It's going to be a tough fight. But when you knock it out, the joy is going to be released. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now the question is, how do we know that David was not afraid to fight? Amen. First of all, he volunteered himself to fight Goliath. He said, I'll do it. 
Everybody else is running. We got the older people. We got the buff folks. We got folks who done beat so many folks up. They all scared. David stepped up and said, hey, I'll do it. We look in verse 32. David said, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go up and fight this Philistine. He said, me, you don't got, you don't have to recruit me. I'm volunteering. Amen. There's some people who say, you know what? I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. If I die, let me die. I'll do it. I'll raise up. I'll raise up. I'll be that one in this generation to, to defend the church. To defend. He was like, I'm going to defend the nation. This uncircumcised Philistine. He volunteered. He made a decision. Hallelujah. We see that he did not make any excuse not to fight the enemy. When you really want to fight, when you're not scared, you ain't going to say, oh, wait a minute, my feet hurt a little bit. And, we, and let's, make, let's put it on a calendar. We go fight. Let's zoom in. And we'll, we'll make a calendar. <laughs> oh, wait, you know, I didn't eat breakfast this morning. Let me go eat some breakfast. I'm going to come back. I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to fight. You know? Oh, wait, my mama told me I got to go clean my room. I'm going to fight you to 3 o'clock. I got to go clean my room. He didn't make no excuses. He said, I'll fight this devil. He said, I'll fight this Philistine. David said in verse 33, he said, and Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art just but a, but a youth. And he, a man of war from his youth. He said, you're too young. You can't go fight him. David said, I'll fight him. It don't matter. Hallelujah. He, he said, I'll fight him. I'm making no excuses. Number three, he said, um, he believed that he had the proven experience from his other fights. David said in verse 34 through 35, and David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep and there came a lion and a bear and he took a lamb out of the flock and it went out after him and, and smote and I smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. He said, I got some experience. I've been through some stuff. I've already won some battles. I'm not just stepping up with nothing, right? I've already won some battles. God was with me. I got to walk with God. I've already slayed some enemies and I'll do it again. We see that he persuaded Saul to let him fight him. He had to persuade Saul. He said, David said, moreover, the Lord in verse 37, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with you. David was like, let me at him. Let me at him. Amen. And Paul was like, I mean, I mean, Saul was like, what? I don't know. But he persuaded him. There's somebody here today where they're saying, God, use me. I already know what you can do. If God be for me, it doesn't matter who's against me. God, use me. Amen. That desire. And also we see that he, he put action behind his talk. He wasn't just talking. Sometimes people talk about they can fight. They talk really good. They try to scare people, but they're just talk. David put action behind it. He actually, it says in verse 40, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a script and a sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine and he just, he started going towards him. Yep, we're about to fight. And he went towards him. 
He advanced. He put action behind it. And God's wanting that. Be in the church. Let's worship. Let's pray. Let's do all this. But afterwards, when an enemy comes to attack, don't just talk. We got to go after it. Leave this place and go after it. Leave this place and say, you know, I'm not letting the enemy take us out. We're going to put some action behind everything. And we see he did that. And he refused to be distracted by the opinions and words of the enemy. As he approached Goliath, right? Goliath began to talk smack to him once he saw him, trying to scare him off. Verse 41, and the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. You draw nigh to the enemy, the enemy's going to come after you, right? And the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and a fair continence. He began to say, oh, you're nothing. I'll take you out like this and that. And the enemy's saying all this stuff. He's, he's a liar, right? David didn't care about what the enemy thought about him. Too often we're sitting around worrying about what the enemy cares about us. People getting anxiety and fear and depression and hopelessness. Listening to the words of the enemy trying to make you feel small. David said, I got no time to listen to the enemy. I don't care what you think about me. Hallelujah. You can't care what the enemy think if you're going to fight. We also see that David, he knew He was a child of God and that he had a purpose. And David said in verse 45 to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear, but I come in the name of the Lord. When you know who you are, who you belong to, we know who our God is. We're stepping in, not with our own power or might, but with the power of the Lord. I'm about to knock you out because God is with me. Where does this confidence come from? It comes from the Lord. I'm submitted to him. I have a walk with God. I'm living right. I've seen what my God can do. Hallelujah. David was faithful. That's why he also said about the purpose part. He said, is there not a cause? What happens a lot in life today, people are, are fighting for the wrong cause. Okay, there's a lot of stuff you can fight for. But I like how this is Christ-centered church. Paul said, I determined to know nothing else among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. We need a specific purpose. you got to be intentional when you come against the enemy. Is there not a cause? Is God not God? Is he not the king? Is he not the one that opened up the Red Sea? Is he not the one that delivered us from Egypt? Is there not a cause? Are we not in a promised land? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But David was faithful to the initial prompting of God's spirit. When you're about to get in a fight and you hear that, 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 that confidence in you that say you can knock them out. You can't go back on that. When God gives you that faith that you can win, that you're going to be victorious. When God's spirit speaks to you and said, I'm going to give you the land. You got to obey that to the end. He obeyed that initial prompting. Imagine if David, God would have spoke to him when he first, you know, was talking to his brothers and Saul. But all of a sudden he got before Goliath and he started doubting. I don't know if I can do it now. He do look big. His muscles, that spear. Wait a minute, I'm just a kid. He said, no. 
the spirit of God is with me. He already told you from the beginning. There's some stuff that we've experienced in life. God told you when you were seven or eight about the victory. Life just kind of hits you. And we start backtracking saying, I don't know if it's going to happen now. No, those promises that God has for you and your family, they're still there. Don't let the enemy intimidate you or distract you or disrupt the promises of God. You'll be obedient to that voice and watch God use you to slay a giant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he obeyed. Hallelujah. In verse 48, we see that he took that stone and he, he hit him right there and knocked that enemy out right in, a, in the middle of his forehead. And he fell to the ground because he was obedient to that voice. Hallelujah. We see that he took off. He wasn't afraid because he took off the enemy's head. So imagine Goliath falls. David's not that old. He's just like a teenager, 18, 19, something. And he, he falls. And now that's one thing to slam, right? Now, anybody ever killed a snake before? <laughs> one time I was in my backyard, and we live out in the countryside. We live in California. We're out in the country. And there was this snake. And we know we live in snake territory. We, we live out there in these lakes and stuff. Anyways, it was in my backyard. And it was there. And I want my kids to get bit. I don't want to find that snake. <laughs> I was scared, though, but I had my shovel. I saw that snake. I'm like, boom! I hit it in his head. I just kept chopping, chopping. And then I was like, hold up. It's still like it's still moving. I'm afraid it's going to get back up. But it takes a lot. It's one thing to hit it and you think it's kind of dead. David could have knocked him out and been like, okay, now y'all go get him. You go, you go, cut, you go touch him. Make sure he dead. But David went and got that big sword. And he, as a young man, he sliced his head off. He was like, I'm living by faith. I'm not going to let the enemy live one more day to lie to my family, to challenge my nation, to challenge my promises. I'm going to make sure it's dead and you cut the head off. Hallelujah. That's when you're not afraid. Hallelujah. This isn't coming back. You have some of them scary movies where they didn't do the job right and that thing began to come back and get you. (laughs) We got to fight back. Look at somebody said we got to fight back. Now, we look at David, we look at his life, all of us, we got giants. They may not be eight feet something, you may not, you know, but there's some giants, circumstances. Some of us, we came out of the womb, and there were some giants staring us down. There were some giants mocking our family. You know, many of us, even from the community, there's some giants in our community, some circumstances, That the enemy used to intimidate us. Stuff like slavery and segregation and things in a society that are giant problems that come to take you out to mess with your self-esteem. To try to take the fight out of you. Dysfunction in the neighborhood, in the family. Poverty giants and and different social emotional um, giants. Stuff that trauma and stuff that you've experienced. and It's big and people say, you know what? You'll probably end up in jail because of where you're raised and what you saw growing up. You'll probably end up one day beating your wife and domestic violence because I grew grew up seeing some stuff and I love my parents and I love them but somehow the enemy took them out they were backsliders and they were pastor's kids my dad was a pastor's kid and somehow the enemy got them they got them up against the wall and I was born I was born I came out of the womb fighting 
my parents were addicted to drugs. They had me and they was addicted. I came out two months early, still addicted to drugs. I came out of the womb, just fighting. I didn't know how to fight yet, but I was just throwing my wings. I didn't know how to fight properly yet, but I was just swinging. Anybody ever remember when those little kids, they get mad and snotty nose and they don't even know how to fight. They just, ah! You know what I'm talking about? I came out, I was unprepared for this. I'm like, what? I'm only five years old. I'm in a drug house. I'm supposed to be at school. My daddy, we're going, we're in a drug house. We grow up and I'm praying. My grandmother was a praying woman. She was a fighter. She wasn't afraid of the enemy. And she would come pick us up for Sunday school. She started teaching me how to fight, teaching me how to pray. I would see her praying in the morning, praying in the afternoon, praying in the evening. She was trying to teach me something. She was trying to teach me. She knew that when I went home that I was going to see a lot of stuff. But there was those prayers that were going to cover me and just trying to teach me how to fight. She was teaching me how to fight. And my grandmother, as I got older, around five or six, she started reading the Bible to me. And as I started learning to read, after a while, I thought I was reading to her because she was old and I needed to help her. But she was getting that word in me. She was trying to give me some skills because when nobody was around and my parents were arguing and they were doing drugs, I would just read my Bible. And I was thinking, one day, God, I'm going to be saved. One day, God, you're going to take these drugs away from my family. One day, we're going to have a stable home. One day, we're not going to move from here to there and there and there. Oh, God. I just I started learning a little bit how to fight a little bit, a little bit, amen, and then finally, in my senior, in my, right before my senior year, my junior year, the battle got so hard that I was, um, I was homeless, living with my grandmother, but my older sister stepped up, and she helped me and my, and my grandmother to get my own apartment in my junior year, because I always wanted to go to college, I wanted to be that first one take on that heavyweight championship of going to college. The first male in my family history to go to college. I said, I want to break this cycle of poverty. I want to do something with my life. I'm not afraid. I know it's hard because all this stuff we grew up around, but I believe God has a plan for my life. And I still wasn't totally serving God, but I was still trying to fight a little bit. And I was trying to get my education and I would pray and read the word a little, but I wasn't all the way there yet. My junior year, we got my own apartment. I worked the job. I, I did well in school. I had straight A's. I got extra credits. I, in my senior year, I had so many extra credits that I was able to graduate six months early. So I was on my way to graduate six months early and start college early. And you ever did something stupid that you were just like, man, why did I do that? I was, I was doing good until that. <laughs> so two weeks before getting ready to graduate six months early, I'm on my way to school. And this guy blows the horn telling me to speed up. I have my driver's license, got my own place, got a job. I'm only 17 years old, about to graduate early. And he tells me to speed up. I started to, we're going to get ready to play the video. I started to do something. Show the video. I made a mistake. Welcome back. Marlon Gale is an assistant principal at Bear Creek High School in Stockton. And his personal story of overcoming tremendous difficulty is a story that we are very happy to bring you tonight. You see, whenever a student tells Dr. Gale that he can't possibly understand their problem, well, chances are he can because he's been there. He was even expelled from the very same school that he now helps to run every day. Tim Daly reports on how Marlon Gale is using his troubled past to make the future brighter for a lot of other kids. 
Try to come this Wednesday. Hey, how you doing? Probably right after, uh, at the beginning of sixth period, I'll talk to you. It's lunchtime at Bear Creek High School in Stockton, part of Marlon Gale's job. Hey, Alec. Make sure doing? all that student movement goes smoothly. Hey, James, how you doing? Good to see you. But the kids seem as interested in being around him as they are getting to the cafeteria. Ready to do this? Let's get them grades. Let's do it. You ready? Now, it's not just that he's incredibly upbeat, it's his honesty. Yeah, I want the story to get out to other people. This is what he grew up around. Drugs. Uh-huh. Jail. Uh-huh. Homelessness. Uh-huh. You've been expelled. Uh-huh. As a middle school teacher and now a high school assistant principal, Marlon's never shied away from that troubled past. To say that you did it is one thing, but to say you did it and you made a decision to change and to do right is another. And that's what they need. They want that honesty. No problem. We'll talk later. Just walking around campus, many of the students know the story. Mm-hmm. And, and they say, you know what? When they look at me, they know my background. They say, wow, if Mr. Gale can do it, I can do it. I kind of grew up in a rough neighborhood. So when a kid thinks he or she might have a problem that can't possibly be understood, Marlon understands. He's even got this experience to fall back on. I'm an assistant principal at the school that expelled me. I left uh, (laughs) 15 years ago in a police car. Marlon was a very good student, scheduled to graduate in just three and a half years, but he was still capable of a very stupid act. One day driving to school, he pointed a toy gun at another driver who turned out to be an off-duty cop. You guys going to be slowing your way into detention. That night when I went home and I just really thought about it and I said, man, I've been working hard all these years and I made this mistake and I almost ruined it. So personally, I just prayed. I said, God, please make a way for me and I'll change and so forth. And that began my change right there. A graduate of UOP and Christian Life College with degrees in international studies and education, this administrator, who's also a youth pastor, who's not afraid to help out with the performance. Straight up, educated, you check this out, you check this out. Always stressing the message, no matter where they've been or what they've seen, anything is possible. Hey, let's go, don't be late. In Stockton, Tim Daly, News 10. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody praise him. Hallelujah. We got to fight back. We got to fight back. Woo. I was expelled. I was expelled from high school. I left in a police car. It was like seven or eight guns pointed at me saying, come out of the car with your hands up. The devil thought a weapon formed against me was going to prosper. But God said, no, grace stepped in. Grace stepped in. I got arrested that day, but that night, as it said, they said, when did your change come? I said, when I begin to pray. That night, I went home and prayed. I said, hold up. I'm not supposed to die. God's got a plan for my life. I said, God, if you make a way, I'll give my life to you. I prayed. I said, God, you make a way for me to go to college. They mailed my diploma in the mail a month later because I had straight A's and I just started college. I ended up getting invited to to to, to a Christian uh, apostolic church about three or four months later. And I got the Holy Ghost. I got the Holy Ghost. I started learning how to fight, how to knock devils out. I started fighting. I got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The scripture says you must be born again. There is no temptation taking you, but that which is common to man. But God is faithful. He's faithful in the battle. He'll turn the statistics around. You may have been knocked down. God will get you right back up after the Holy Ghost has come. You shall receive power. 
I started believing the scriptures. I started believing we can do all things through Christ that gives us strength. I got that Holy Ghost. I started getting that prayer life. The scripture starts talking about put on a full armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the dark day against the enemy. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness, against principalities, against powers. It said put on a full armor of God. I begin to get my sword. I begin to get the word of God. I begin to get refreshed because at first in that fight I was getting knocked out. I didn't know how to fight. The enemy was trying to destroy my family saying you're going to become this and that. I got the word. I said your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Your word, your word is forever established in heaven. Whatsoever things that were written aforetime were written for our learning so that we might through patience and comfort of the scriptures have hope. I start getting hope from the word to help me, to teach me how to fight, to teach me how to battle, to teach me not to be afraid. He said hallelujah. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and a sound mind. When you're in a battle, you got to have a sound mind. you got to be inspired by love. you got to have power from on high, that love of Christ. It says when we were without hope, when we were without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. I fell in love with that love that God, not that I first loved him, but he loved me. And he loved me when I was in a drug house. He loved me even when I was eating out of the garbage can. He said one day... I got a plan for you that eyes have not seen, that ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. You're going to slay giants. You're going to slay giants. You're going to be a principal. You're going to be a husband. You're going to be a missionary. You're going to be a professor. Come on. Somebody praise them. Somebody say fight back. Somebody say fight back. You got a story. You got a testimony. You got to get the word of God, that full armor. You get that faith. It says without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those that come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. We come from a people of faith. We may not have had much money, but even in slavery, they had faith. They were out there working hard and believing one day God's going to turn it around. We're not down yet. God's going to help us to win this fight. They used the whole nation and they came together. It says the truth shall set us free. And they had faith. And people marched together and saying, God is going to help us to overcome. You're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Don't be afraid. We come from a history of people who had faith. But then you got to activate it for yourself. You got to make it personal. And when you get that Holy Ghost and you make it personal... I remember when the Lord shared with me, Jeremiah 31, 3. He said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, by my loving kindness, have I drawn thee. Sometimes people, when you're in a battle, you have post-traumatic stress syndrome. You've been in so many wars and battles and you're just snapping on folks. You're not healed properly. Right. But when you get the Holy Ghost, he's a comforter. He will lead and guide you. He'll go back and restore all those broken places and the stuff, the trauma. And like my wife said, like we've seen in in Brazil and I've been in India. I served in India for 24 years as a missionary doing work, going back and forth. And, And this is what God will do. He'll create healing in your life and wholeness. So when you minister to other people, you're not given broken stuff. You'll be given healing back. We're called to the ministry of reconciliation and restoration. So a good fighter, hallelujah, he has to take time to pray. And what the enemy didn't know about David, he underestimated. The enemy will underestimate God's people. And what he don't know is about your prayer life and about the power of the blood. David was a praying man. 
The scripture says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high God shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. When you pray, the power of prayer and what God begins to do before you even stepped on the scene for your battle, it was the prayer life. It was the blood of Jesus understanding who he is that already protected you to get the victory. Somebody say, Jesus. Amen. So one of the good things is thank God for my testimony and, and thank God I became an assistant principal, went on to become a principal, professor, and now I'm at the county office of education over multiple school districts as a county administrator. That video was back in 2011, so God has did much more over those years. But the thing is, all this time, amen, we've been able to do ministry. I started off doing ministry at the age of 19, left to India for my first mission trip. Amen. A fight. This fight is not just for us. But once you get the victory, you're going to get the victory for others. So he told Peter, after you are converted, what? Strengthen your brethren. Good fighters, you don't just fight for yourself. You're fighting because you're trying to win the victory for other people. The enemy was not picking on David by himself. He wanted to take out the nation. The enemy's not just picking on me. He wanted to, to make sure we wasn't going to be missionaries one day. He wanted to make sure we weren't going to build six churches in India. He wanted to make sure we weren't going to have revival in Brazil. He wanted to make sure we were never youth pastors. And we were never principals and stuff like that to reach souls. God is looking at us and he's saying i've got more hallelujah hallelujah i want to share a couple stories with you about the victory and and what it does that when we fight and we decide to fight for ourselves and for our family what god will do i want you to show the picture of my little sister hallelujah i have about 10 minutes so we can kind of dim the lights here so during covid we know covid was rough and um you know all of us go through the battle differently so for me, I got a hold of faith. I got a hold of grandmother's prayers and the church and God began to do so much inside of me. And that's a blessing. But I started thinking about the other people that you love and that you grow up with. This is my sister. So my old, my younger sister, she didn't get into church like that. So I, I was going after her from day one. And she got hooked on meth for so many years. She was messed up. And by God's grace, she's been on and off, on and off. She'll be in jail for so much amount of time and and her kids and all this stuff. And I've been helping with them over the years. But um, finally, um, we get to COVID. And it had been like about 20-something years she's been on it. And she's been on and off. But anyways, I start looking at our childhood. And I realized we've never celebrated her birthday. We were so much in survival mode and growing up in the struggle. I had one birthday for sure that we celebrated for me before middle school. We had a big party. My sister, some of those roots of drug addictions and stuff, people feel unloved, unheard, unseen. They have this trauma. And I was thinking, you know what? My sister know I love her. We just bought this new house, me and my wife, beautiful house, lakes and all this stuff. And it was like 2020, around, around the time of COVID. And I said, you know what? Let's celebrate my sister. Let's have a beautiful party for her, a get-together, family get-together. But it was during COVID. I said, I know it's a risk. You know, we can tell people they can wear masks, whatever. It's about 20 of us got together. And But I had a plan. I know my sister had never been baptized in Jesus' name. <laughs> We're going to invite her over and show her that love. And then all of a sudden, after we got done eating and showing them and playing with the kids and everything, it's about 20 people, I began to give a word. I said, the Lord has a word. <laughs> and I started talking about Noah and get on the ark. And people were dying from COVID. And it's time to get right if you've never got right and everything. And then I don't know what I said. Who wants to be baptized? The churches was closed, right, and everything. <laughs> but we have a friend who lives about five houses down to go to our church. He has a swimming pool, right? I already had the towels ready. 
Nine of them raised their hand. And my sister, we baptized her, her boyfriend, all of her kids, her three kids, her four, her four kids. We baptized the grandmother. We baptized nine of them in the name of Jesus Christ. I said, devil, if we're going out, we're going to go out with baptizing some people. Instead of living in fear and being afraid of COVID, I started, we started preaching and we have Bible studies. God's still working on them. Amen. So that was that. This was that night and this was at the house after baptizing them. Amen. God, God be the glory. Next one. Um, also, my, my brother, my older brother, this was tough, but God got the victory out of it. This was in 2021. Out of nowhere, my brother, he's not in a gang, nothing like that. <laughs> um, what happened was he was, um, he got off work. He was doing a side job. He's construction and he has a, um, he also has a job as a, um, in the union, but he did side work too. So he was doing his work at a restaurant. He finished about 10 o'clock at night doing a side job. He got out. He was in a back parking lot. He has work truck and his, um, trailer. He, this guy was in a parking lot speeding by. There was an ATM machine, so it recorded everything. This guy was speeding by. My brother said, slow down. The guy got out the car, and, and my brother didn't know him. It was a random guy. Somehow he was like a white supremacist or something. He got out with a gun, and he just started shooting my brother, saying, die, in, die, inward, and started shooting him. My brother had his hands up. You see it in the, in the ATM. He runs under his truck, and the guy's still shooting my brother ends up getting shot eight times. At first, they thought it was seven times. He got shot in his face, too, his shoulder, all these different places. He's under the truck, and his face is bleeding. He puts his face to the cement. He explains all this to us later, and he calls 911 to let him know where he's at. After that, he calls me. At that time, I was an assistant principal, and I, had just got, I was supervising a high school football game, so I couldn't pick up the phone. On my way driving home, I, um, eventually I, I called, and I, he had left a voice message, and he said, Marlon, this is man. We call him man, a nickname. He said, I've been shot. He said, pray for me in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And he hung up. He called me while he was bleeding, saying to pray. There's a battle. The enemy's trying to take out my brother. So I got the message, and eventually I called back. So me, 10 minutes later or so, the ambulance had already got there. Somebody picked up the phone, and he gave it to the police. I said, the police said, my brother, he's been shot. And I said, is he still alive? They said, yeah, he's in the ambulance. And I got off the phone. We started praying. I called my pastor. All of us started praying, praying. There's a battle. Anybody ever been in some trauma and some stuff? And you were just like, Lord, I need the I need thee every hour. I need thee. Oh, bless. We begin to pray and fight for my brother. I grew up close with my brother, and I was like, God, don't let the devil take my brother. This is my brother, God. And we begin to plead the blood, and my brother said all the way to the hospital, he was just saying the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. The ambulance people heard him, everything. My brother, we got there in the hospital. My brother lived. He lived. The devil tried to kill my brother with eight bullets. He said, die, 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 die. Jesus said, live, 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 live. When we're fighting a good fight of faith, Jesus will do miracles. He'll do things that nobody expected. God saved my brother. He not only saved him, but look, does he even look like he got shot 
this is just about this. He came out the hospital about a week later. He went to my house. This is him about four days later. His face was still swollen. They had the bullet had to stay in there because it would have messed him up if they would have took it out. The bullet went and stopped right before his brain and just parked. And it was a hollow point bullet. A year later, they took that bullet out. God is faithful. When the, when, the, when the reporters and all the people came, and, and, and they caught the guy who did this, and he's in jail, and they wanted to focus on the hatred and, and, and about the hate crime, and yes, the guy should be locked up and all that. But my brother said this. He said, hate can't live here. He said, I don't have no room for hate in my heart. He said, if I would have hatred in my heart, God would not allow me to live. He said, I come from a Christian family. We believe in the blood of Christ. Let's talk about the miracle. We begin to talk about the miracle of the angels of the Lord and that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We're not afraid to fight. We've got the victory. So one of the things, as I'm getting ready to come to a close, about five minutes here, one of the things that happened was that same year in 2021, one of my New Year's prayers was that my father, he's a backslider, right? A pastor's kid, that he would get baptized in the name of Jesus. At that time, he was about 66, 67. And that was my prayer. God, let my daddy get baptized. Go to the next page. So after this situation happened, that night happened on Friday night. On Saturday, we're all at the hospital. My dad, my sisters, all of our family, and my brother lived. Everything, we're praying, thanking God. It took some time for recovery because his legs and all this stuff. But um, he lived, and oh, thank God. But on that Saturday night, um, I called my dad. I said, Dad, because he hasn't been going to church. He lives by the church, and thank God, over the years, my dad got off drugs, and we got him stable, and it's been about five, six years. We got him an apartment. He lives by the church. God has been great. But he hasn't been baptized yet. I said, God, let him get baptized. And um, so that night I called. I said, Dad, I said, would you go to church with me on Sunday? I said, we would be going to a funeral, but let's go and celebrate how God saved my brother, how he saved your son. Could you come to church on Sunday? He said, yes, son. My dad came to church after the word. I said, Daddy, you want to get baptized in the name of Jesus? He said, yes, son. I want to get baptized. That's me baptizing my daddy. I never knew my brother would have to get shot and go through all that stuff for to get my daddy in those waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We're not afraid to fight. It may cost you something, but the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. I'm going to turn the lights back on. God is so faithful. God is so faithful. So what God is trying to do through our fights, he's trying to help us to save other people. He wants you to come back with a fight story, save people in the schools, save people in the prisons, save your family members, save people that you work with. He wants to magnify the goodness and the greatness that he put inside of you, that fighter, where you become a roadway champion in the spirit, fighting battles but winning and giving victory. And that victory becomes contagious where everywhere you go. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, your good fight is talking about, that faith that you got, and they may glorify your Father in heaven. How many of us got brothers and sisters or cousins or people that you know they need you to fight for them? They need you to fight for them. You got neighbors and folks that they need somebody that believes in God to cover them. Amen. Show the, um, the Brazil video. This is just last week. So that's how we ended up on the mission field over the years. When you're out there just doing a work for God, just encouraging people in the battle. Amen.
Jesus. Amen. As we stand to our feet, as the musicians come, today God's looking for some fighters. God's looking for some fighters. People who are going to fight the good fight of faith because victory is ours. And he's looking for some workers. After you, when you fight, this victory comes from fighting and workers. People that are going to get their hands dirty in the fight that's not afraid. And when we do that, we're going to see miracles and grace to help us along the way. As I mentioned, the enemy, he wasn't just picking a fight with David. It's not just personal. He was picking a fight with the nation of Israel. If he can take the David out, he felt like, they, they said this, he said, choose me a man, Goliath said. And if we win, you will become our servants. But if, uh, if you win, we will become your servants. We weren't made to be the, 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 the tail. We were made to be the head. God says we are made to win. We weren't made to lose. We're not serving the enemy. David had to win because he didn't want all of his people to be in bondage to the enemy. If I didn't step up and live for God, imagine my mom, my dad, my brothers, my sisters, my community. God's looking at you. People are looking at you. Your victory is spreading victory to those that know you. Your influence. You're an apostolic. You have an influence. When I got that Holy Ghost and that apostolic, Apostolic influence, the interventions that took place, the intercession that took place, the skills that God gave me to fight. It wasn't just for me. God's calling you to fight. My auntie used to say, there's somebody waiting for you on the other side of your obedience to God. And as we get ready to wrap up here, if we think about Peter, Peter was a fighter also, but he was a little scared. Sometimes we naturally, when something happens, they say you either flight, you run away, or you freeze. You get stuck because it's just, oh, what do I, ah. or you freeze, or you fight. You fight, you flight, or you freeze. Peter, he had, in the natural, he tried to cut the guy's ear off, but it wasn't going to work that way. 
And then they, they were saying, do you know Jesus? He was freezing. I don't know him. And he was running. But Jesus came to him after he had rose from the dead. He told him already, he said, Peter, I know you say you love me. That devil wants to sift you. But he was like, after you're converted, he said, feed, he said, strengthen your brother. And later he was talking to him. He said, do you love me? He said, feed my sheep. Anyways, at some point, Peter, after he denied the Lord and everything, he came back. And Jesus spoke to him and the rest of the disciples. And he decided, I'm not afraid no more. He said, go to Jerusalem until you be endured with power. After the Holy Ghost has come, you're going to receive power. He got that Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. And they were in that prayer room. They were praying. He said, you know what? I'm ready to fight back now. I'm not afraid anymore. We got the victory because we have more than a few rocks that David have. We have the rock. We have the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We have the blood of Jesus Christ. We've got the power to fight back. It's through the name above every other name. I couldn't have did it on my own. It is God that worketh within us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The enemy would have sifted me as wheat. Every statistic, I would have been shot by the police. I wouldn't have became a doctorate in education. I wouldn't have became a school principal. The enemy saw me in a garbage can. He wanted me to live that way. I would have been up in dysfunction. But God said, there's victory for you. Who believes in his victory today? I want you to run down here. And I want you to commit yourself and say, God, we're going to live in these last days with the victory. It's in Jesus Christ. This whole world needs this victory. If you want to commit yourself to living with victory, unafraid of the enemy, knowing that God, who the Son has set free, is free indeed. As you run down here, as you come down here hungry and thirsty, know that your family members are coming, those you're praying for, those that you're believing for, those neighbors, those friends. Jesus said to go, go ye therefore throughout the whole world and to preach the gospel to every creature. Oh, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Oh, God is calling a generation, oh, to fight the good fight of faith. And he says, I've given you my name. I've given you the name of Jesus. God's got a book with your name on it. All the testimonies of how you overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. The enemy's plans will not work. God will be with you in this battle. God will be with you. David did not only slay Goliath. He went on to win many battles. Oh, there's spiders here today. Oh, there's prayer warriors here today. You say, how can I do it? Oh, just begin to lift your hands and commit yourself. Whatever you're going through, whatever you've experienced, whatever's happened in the past. Oh, say, God, forgive me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. I will not be conformed to this world. I will be transformed by the renewing of my mind. God's got a work for you to do. It doesn't matter how the battle looks right now. It doesn't matter how hard it is. God loves you. He's going to equip you. He's prepared you for a time such as this. Oh, let's pray. Hallelujah. Yes, let's pray. God wants to do a work in here today. If you need the Holy Ghost, lift your heads. Oh, say, pour it out on me, God. If you want to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, commit yourself. It'll help you to fight the good fight of faith. God loves you. There are missionaries in this place. As you leave this place, you're that missionary to your family. You're that missionary to your school, to your workplace. God is calling people in these last days. We are the body of Christ. The enemy, he cannot prevail against the church. 
He wanted Peter because he wanted the church. But Peter stepped up on a day of Pentecost and he preached Jesus Christ-centered ministry. Oh, there are people here today who are looking for Jesus. Let's show the world Jesus. Other people are fighting with politics. They're fighting with money. Oh, we come in the name of the Lord. Oh, let's worship. Let's pray.